This episode is brought to you by Riverview Boat Store in Bellevue, Iowa. Food you love and supplies you need. Look them up at riverviewboatstore.com. Welcome back to Between the Levees. I'm joined today by Captain Travis Valance. 18 years now with ACBL. His father was in the wheelhouse. We're going to get into all this. Travis, thank you for joining me. Hey, thank you. Good morning to you. And you too, man. Glad we could finally get this one done. It took a little bit, huh? Yeah. yeah we got it worked out. No big deal. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if you saw on Facebook. I'm actually booked through December now. I saw that, yeah. That's yeah. Impressive. So Good for you. I'm backing off Good. a little bit next year, but we'll uh, <laughs> we'll keep yeah. going. Anyway, you know how these begin, sir. Uh, how many have you listened to? Uh, two of them. I listened to a couple of them. Uh, Kendo and Kanoi. Okay. Yeah. Well, that'll work. I guess, I guess early on, you know, when you, when yeah. you first started, yeah. It's been, that was, what, 70 episodes ago, I think? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Anyway, man, tell me, of course, first, where were you born? Uh, Baton Rouge. I was born in Baton Rouge. Uh, grew up in, in Central. Uh, moved to Baton Rouge proper. You know, midways, uh, probably when I was middle school or so. You know, we, we eventually moved out to a place called Grove State. Was your father in the wheelhouse your whole life? Yeah. Yeah, I grew up, uh, you know, he, he was he was already in the industry for a while. Um, yeah. So growing up, that's that was my impression, you know, um, him coming home every day. He, he did a variety of, you know, things. He was in the fleet. Uh, he was in the canal. Never, never did heavy toes, but he was, you know, uh, local in the fleets. Tell me what you can about his career. Well, I mean, it was, it was a huge impression on me growing up. You know, I, I remember, you know, going, going to the parking lot, picking him up with my mom as a kid, you know, seeing him getting off the boat. Uh, we had one vehicle back then, if I remember, um, you know, just seeing him getting off the boat, you know, back then, you know, those days, it was a lot different, obviously. Um, just seeing everybody, you know, that crew, you know, drenched in sweat, grease, you know, long hair, tattoos, you know, seeing all those guys coming off there. And, and uh, it was, it was something for a kid to see, you know, um, I thought to myself, wow, these guys are pretty cool, you know, and seeing him being the captain, you know, it was an amazing, you know, feeling for sure. Did you ever get a chance to step on the boat with him? I did. Yeah. Back in those days, I mean, I don't know, maybe it's smaller companies nowadays, but I was able to, uh, to ride with him, um, a couple of days on a trip. The, the company he worked for allowed it. Um, and you know, I, it was kind of a blur, you know, thinking back on it now, but I remember, you know, waking up with him, uh, you know, going in the wheelhouse, uh, in the galley eating, you know, with the crew, uh, just, to just the general atmosphere, you know, and there was times where he was on the other uh, boat that would push the barge, uh, for the 4th of July fireworks, uh, in Baton Rouge. Um, you know, we rode on that boat once, uh, and again, this was decades ago. Um, that was pretty, pretty amazing, you know, to, to get really the best view, uh, with the exception of everything falling back down on you. Right. But it, it was, it was great though. Yeah. What was your first impression of the boat when you got on? My first impression, uh, if, you know, remembering again, you know, being a kid, but just the smells, uh, the, the, just the, the towboat, you know, again, back in, back in those days, you know, it was a little different, uh, but it was just, uh, 
the diesel, you know, the, 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 the guys out there, you know, working just the everything, you know, the whole environment, you know, it, it was, it was good. Did you know from that point forward that this was going to be your career? I wanted to. Yeah, no, I definitely wanted to be, you know, in the wheelhouse, be a captain like my dad growing up. That was, that was something, you know, as early as I could remember wanting to do that, that, that was basically the only thing I, I wanted to do. Um, yeah, I mean, as, as, you know, growing up being age appropriate to work out there, it took a couple of years, but finally, yeah, finally got out there. Did you have any other family on the river? Yeah. Yeah. Almost every male in, in my family either has worked on the river or, or currently working out there. Yeah. From my uncles to, uh, everybody was always on the water. You know, my dad growing up in Grand Isle, um, my mom on her side down, you know, down the bayou. So it was always closely related to the river for sure. But in the industry, yeah, almost every single male. Yeah. Did your mom work? No, she was, she was a stay at home. She was a house uh, wife. She, she was a homekeeper. She keep it, kept everything going. You have any siblings? I do. Yeah. I have an older brother and an older sister. Yeah. Is, is your brother on the river? He is. Yeah. He, uh, he, he semi-retired for a bit. I, I, I think he's, he's, he may be coming back, but uh, yeah, he's, he's out there. All right. Well, let's get back to you. Tell me about growing up school up to high school and then eventually the jump to uh yeah, man, growing up, growing up, it, it was it was a good childhood. You know, I you know, like I'm fortunate. I had great parents. You know, both my dad and my mom. Uh, my dad, he, you know, he was a church going individual. You know, so we we grew up in in church. Um, it was just a, a solid, you know, home. It really was. We weren't rich. We weren't, you know, we didn't have everything. You know, my dad worked hard, and my mom made sure that you know everything stayed. Um, you know, put and everything was good. The um, growing up school, you know, wasn't wasn't a huge fan of it. You know, through middle school, didn't like it. High school, didn't like it. Uh, nothing ever really clicked with me, and I was more always on hands type of person. I wanted to be. I think a lot of it growing up, knowing where I wanted to go at an early age, I saw a lot of the other stuff and thought, you know, eh, I don't think I need to know all these things to be a captain you know true proved to be you know wrong but the um yeah i mean going into the high school early on i knew it wasn't it wasn't going to be for me um got my ged and it was probably i want to say until i was right around 19 or 20 before i started working out on the river and once uh december 2005 uh, and that was it. I've been there ever since. What'd you do between getting your GED and that point? Oh man, a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of questionable things, you know, uh, working here and there, odd jobs from, you know, working at Walmart to working in warehouses, just trying to do different, finding different stuff to do. Yeah. And in 05, was that with McKinney? It was, yeah, it was uh, McKinney towing, which was at uh tiger fleet at the time um that was acbl came in 07 march of 07 but yeah it was mckinney telling you well tell me about that experience got hired on they were you know i was fortunate enough i was able to 
uh, start out with my dad. They, they, on the Shannon Holston at Tiger Fleet, worked with him. And, uh, you know, everything growing up, you, you have this image, you know, you have this, this perspective. And when you actually get there, you know, everything changes. Uh, it is not, you know, as you thought it was growing up, it, it's, it's real. You know, this is, this is where we are, We're, you know, really doing it now. Um, probably for that first year, man, I was, you know, all over the place. Probably not the best deckhand, for sure. Uh, took a, a while to really get, get going, you know, learning and, and whatnot. But once I got it, that, that was it working with my dad. That was, that was a great experience for me. That was something, you know, I hold dear now to this day since he's passed, you know, it's, I'll never, never forget those, those times with him because everything growing up led to that, you know, coming out to the river and being able to experience that with him, having that first impression of somebody he was good to his people. You know, he was, he was a kind hearted individual, uh, stern when he needed to be, you know, he, he had no problem being, being a captain for sure. Uh, but for the most part, seeing him be, you know, the church going man or the, the brother Skippy as he would, you know, refer to himself, seeing that, you know, people had a lot of respect for him, you know, still do to this day. And that, that definitely, you know, pressed upon me for sure. You know, seeing that, um, there was, you know, working out there again, this was tow building days, you know, you have to excuse the background noise, sorry. but it, it was, you know, back then Tiger Fleet was a little different than what it is now, you know, uh, so you, you learn tow building from very early on, day one, coming to work, you know, you got several boats in the fleet, you got a couple of them backed into the hill, you know, it was going to be a great day. Well, walk me through your career up, up from, uh, from deck to the wheelhouse. So, yeah, it was definitely uh, wasn't really all that exciting. You know, a lot, of, a lot of bumps and bruises along the way and a lot of help. You know, a lot of people you know, helped along the way. Started, so going back, started in 05 uh, as a deckhand with uh, McKinney. Uh, definitely, you know, just crew, just tow building, you know, rebuilding, breaking tow, making it. Um, didn't catch on as quick as everybody else would, uh, you know, just for whatever reasons, a lot of different things. Uh, I want to say about a year into it, I really started coming into my own. Uh, about that time, my lead man had quit, which put me solely uh, responsible. So he had, he had left and it was just me. And those days were a little different to where you could deck by yourself, you know, as long as everybody was okay with it. A lot of times it was, uh, you know, several towboats, you know, building tow, and it was just one deckhand. So you learn very early on how to manage. You know, if you're going to stick out there, you, you've got to pace yourself and you've got to learn, you know, how to work smart, not hard, so to speak. Working in those years, um, it, it was it was a great foundation to build on, for sure. It wasn't perfect, but I, I think that's that's what made it really, really solid. Going into 07, March of 07, that's when uh, we found out that ACBL was going to uh, purchase a lot of the McKinney boats. Employees had an opportunity to, to join, to, you know, to come on to ACBL. And after looking at the benefits package and the pay, and, and I immediately saw opportunity. I, I thought, okay, well, this is going to be great for my career wherever I go. You know, at, at that point, you know, that's that's what I was I was thinking you know bigger picture because I want to say at that point I already had a daughter 
you know. Um, so I, I was thinking bigger picture stuff. What was one of the biggest challenges you found out there in that first year? Endurance. You know, the the it's hot, it's cold, it's rains. You know, it it, it every environment that you're going to work in. Again, this is where the rubber meets the road. You know, when when you when you think about it growing up, you don't see these these little details, right? These you know these challenges. You you just have an image in your head. I want to be just like my dad. You know, it's almost it's poetic. But when you get out there, you realize in order to get there, in order to to achieve even a quarter of what he had achieved, um, it was not going to be an easy road. You know, and as a young man, that that took that took a little bit, you know, for me to get going. The biggest challenge was was adapting to it. You know, growing up almost, so to speak. You know, this isn't a warehouse job. This isn't you know a, a an hotel you know maintenance worker job this is something very different than anything i had ever experienced before this was reality you know and you're outside and, and when you want the wind to blow it does not blow you know when you want that shade there is none you know the, the steel is always hot you know the ratchets are always going to be heavy and so is the wires you know rigging is you know is a killer so yeah my, my first first huge impression was just settling in and then how many years with ACBL until you climbed up into the wheelhouse? This was, let's see, from 07. There was a period, let's see, from 07 on, I want to say into maybe 2011, 12, was me decking. At that point, I came across an individual who, who to this day is a mentor, you know, to me. Before, I'd say everybody I ever encountered, excluding my dad, you know, he he was the reason to really give me the opportunity to to really, you know, get a chance to to do something. That was uh, he he was a senior lead. He he's since retired retired, but a George, a George Tobias, you know, he was, you know, he had he had trained hundreds of people at ACBL. When he came out on tow, you know, he was our, he was a unit one, you know, first made on, on uh, the Frank Raider, I believe it was. Every time they would come into the fleet, you, you know, you start learning the names of these boats and you know, you know, the big boys that come in there, that's going to be, we're going to be digging in their tow. We're going to be making it, you know, building it from scratch or either, you know, rebuilding it. Coming across a good solid crew on the mainline boat was was huge. You know, guys that would already have the rigging broken down, already had the barge down. So, you, and George was that type of person. He was he was the top of the top, in my opinion. You get out there, and he already had the barges broke down. His guys were already running out of ratchets. I mean, the example of in my opinion of of what it was to you know to do that role uh, successfully. Working with him whenever he would come into the fleet. You know, it was huge. And of course, he had been out in the industry for so long, just as my dad, and they had known each other from, you know, the Deville days in Donisonville. So meeting him and just catching up with him, just shooting the breeze, you know, finding out that, you know, he, he knew my dad, he worked with me and just kind of started from there. And um, he, uh, one of the things that he had done with ACBL was teach RS1 classes, our, our training classes. Um, when he wasn't out on tow, he would come out with a, a class of new employees, deck crew, and they would come to Tiger Fleet. At that time, that was the tow building fleet. Um, they'd come out, they'd train, uh, they'd get on the boats, they'd be dropped on the tow, 
and that's that's what they would do all day you know him and and new hire so you seeing him interact seeing him teach um being a mentor for them that kind of impressed upon me you know that that was something i was interested in doing knowing my background knowing that it took a while for me to get started it, i didn't have the the easy going you know it, it i made it a lot more difficult than what i needed it to learning how to lay wires you know because you got to understand not every fitting is going to be right next to one another. You're going to have eyeball fittings. You're going to have oversized barges. That's going to throw everything off a lot of troubleshooting. And early on when, you know, after my lead man had done left, it was just me trying to figure this out. So seeing these new hires come in, I thought maybe I had something to offer. Um, talking with him, working with him out on tow, working with the new hires. I had a, you know, a liking for it helping people. And again, I think this goes back to growing up with somebody like, like my mom, like my dad, you know, somebody that, that wants to help people. So that was, uh, that was my introduction to George and, and new hires. And I, I was able to get an opportunity to uh, teach an RS1 class, what we call a river seamanship. Um, well, I first went in there to, to be more of a helper on my time off. Came in for a couple of days, helping them through a variety of different things. And I, got comfortable speaking in front of a, you know, 15, 20 people here and there, uh, going out on tow, you know, with them on my off time. So it was, it was an opportunity. And the more I did it, the more I loved it. You know, at that point, while the wheelhouse was always in, in the foreground, you know, it's always something I wanted to, to achieve for sure. To get there, I, I started seeing other opportunity and, you know, again, working with George and meeting him and, you know, all the different people that, that taught those classes and different people in management, learning how things, you know, work behind the scenes on the other side of the levy. You know, doing that after a while, uh, was able to become an RS1 instructor. Uh, almost, almost full-time permanently when I wasn't teaching classes. It was, um, you know, on tow. Uh, it was going, uh, building tow, time off going back uh you know back on the boats and i'd say it wasn't until uh a little while later at that time they had started a uh an environment what's the word more like a, like a qe uh, an evaluator for our uh, our fleet uh that was basically somebody that come out uh, work with deck crew that you know it's ready to be promoted um, if there was anything that, you know, they needed help on, uh, policies or procedures or, uh, just, uh, work practices. Um, so that's, you know, that's, that's where I was, uh, the role popped up. I applied for it. Uh, it was a QE. Uh, yeah. The official title was QE qualified examiner. Uh, not too many people wanted the job, you know, nobody really wanted that position because, it puts you in a position to where it's easy to fail for sure, because you have, you know, a lot of eyes on you. You're the person going out, evaluating these guys, uh, making sure that, you know, they, they know their stuff, just as the captain had stated, um, helping them where they need it and, you know, signing off, you know, on, on our end, um, working with the captain, you know, in that position as QE, when I, when I got the position, that was again, evaluate individuals, uh, train RS1 uh, new hires, 
and deck here and there where they needed me. So it was almost like three different roles I was I was tackling. And that that was that was good. It was a great experience. I'd say to this day of all the the roles that I've had, I think that was probably the most one of the more meaningful roles for sure. It's something I really felt because it was helping people. It was giving them, it was making sure that they got a shot, you know, individuals that was passed up, uh, passed over, um, that, you know, didn't have it easy. You know, they, they finally got a chance to, to show and just being part of that, you know, it was, was huge for me. Um, let's see. So we got, you know, deckhand moving up to lead, you know, eventually senior lead working at Tiger, going to work at CCI Baton Rouge when uh, ACBL was there, uh, learning dead eye wires, going through the locks, the port down locks. Um, yeah, I mean, moving on to the QE role until 2013. And I have said that's that's whenever I first met uh, uh, Jeff Kendall. And that's that's when everything changed for me professionally. Fill me out on the next steps. I, uh, at that point, you know, I was, I had gotten to the QE role pretty good. It was only me at, at that point in ACBL. We only had Tiger Fleet, Ormont, and Harahan. I would jump between those three fleets, uh, evaluating people. The, um, again, RS1 classes, training those, I became proficient in that, uh, holding, uh, teaching my own classes, uh, when jo George would have to go back on the boats, then they still needed classes to be taught. Uh, I would jump in because of the, the type of work schedule, we'd have it down in Port Allen, where it was two week classes back then. And uh, I wanna say it was around that time, I can't remember the exact year, but that's when uh, Mark Canoy, Jeff Kendall, and, and a variety of you know, other people had came to ACBL. And I met Jeff, um, you know, let's say the first time I met him, he had, he had came out to the boats and meeting him, you know, it was not knowing his history, not knowing anything about him. You know, he was a very, you know, polite, well-spoken, you know, individual. You could tell, you know, he, this guy was quick, you know, he, he was, he was very astute. You know, he, um, meeting him, interacting with him, the times that I did, um, you could see that, you know, we're, we got a guy now, you know, in, in the company that's, that's going to take care of everything. You know, he, he was very, uh, you, I mean, you know, him from, you know, experience, I'm sure, but a solid individual for sure. There was, um, a position that opened up in Armont, uh, the assistant facility manager position. Um, you know, that role was, previously led by a, a guy individual again a mentor of mine uh the late mark Duplantis. he was the facility manager of, of Ormont and um for a number of years and built the he, he had he had built a great thing down there for sure a great guy you know just boat oriented uh crew oriented you know he, he had an easy going uh temperament he, he was just a, a good guy for sure he ended up being promoted uh moving on to the next step of his career and that left a void a couple of people suggested that i apply 
uh, you know, what do I know? I'm just a glorified deckhand at this point. You know, I, I like teaching classes. I like helping people. Um, you know, there's no way. There's no way I, I don't have it. Uh, applied. I went ahead and did it anyway. People kept pushing, kept pushing. Went ahead and did it. And um, interviewed. I think that was the first time I was actually interviewed in my, you know, adult life. And you know, looking back on it, you know, it went, went pretty well, obviously, but it was very intimidating, you know, sitting with Jeff, you know, being interviewed by him, you know, it was, it was something for sure. And I got the phone call a little while later saying, Hey, you know, if you'd like to join the team. <laughs> yeah, sure. Sure would. Heck yeah. I said, yes, sir. You know, Mr. Kendall, he said, just call me Jeff. And at that point, yeah, it was, it was on, you know, um, went on to Armont and through, again, throughout my, throughout my career, I had been to Armont. I had met captains over there. I'd met the deck crew. In fact, most of the deck crew at that point, uh, had already been there for a while or passed through the RS1 classes, uh, that I trained. So I already had some interaction with them. I already knew the crews, I already knew the crew rotations, the, uh, the crew schedules. At that point, the operation had moved heavily to Armand, a lot of the tow building. So I was already familiar with the tow building aspect of it. So it was a combination of factors, I think, that, that put me you know, in that position uh, and, and Jeff taking a, taking a chance on me, um, which I, I'm sure a lot of people would attest that he, you know, he took a chance on a lot of people. He, you know, he impacted a lot of people's lives, for sure. Um, going into that role, that was something that was again completely new to me I, I knew the boats i knew the crews but the operational aspect of it and that's where i came across individuals that that helped me uh, you know kind of mentored me uh, that was there went into it with the crews uh, met, for one of the, the first things I, I did coming on was you know starting started to meet people interacting with the the, the shore side uh, meeting the supervisors, the, the welders, the fitters, every individual that, that was going to work there, I wanted to know who they were. Um, had opportunity once, you know, met the shoreside personnel, moved on to the boats, meeting the deck crew. Again, I knew a majority of them. Uh, meeting the wheelhouse personnel, talking with them, but this time in a different perspective because, you know, in this, in this uh, role, it was lack of a better term, it was as a port captain of these fleet boats. I had, uh, it was four, four fleet boats at the time. By the time I left, it was five. Um, I was in that role for several years, had its challenges from day one, uh, you know, dealing with an injury from the very first day and, you know, seeing it through um, that, as Jeff said, you know, it was almost like baptism by fire. It was looking back, all those scenarios, all those challenges would later benefit me as a captain, for sure. Um, it was a great time. My time in Ormont, again, you know, I, I wouldn't change anything. Uh, a lot of a lot of learning, you know, a lot of tough love, um, a lot of phone calls in the middle of the night, right? A lot of phone calls when, you know, you, holidays, it, it didn't matter. But you accept that responsibility when you take a role like that working with those guys you know from the holidays you know to the 
the dead, you know, dog days of summer, um, being there for them when they need it. Because that, that was the, that's the thing. What I've learned early on is the, the, the captains they know their job. You know, you, you don't have to you don't have to get involved to the point to where you're, you're causing problems. You know, make sure that you, they have the resources they need. You know, trust them when they say you know, we trust these guys to build our toes to move our barges. So when they say something, when they speak, you know, listen, um, especially when it comes from lead boat. Again, growing up, my dad ran lead boat. Lee was uh, Donisonville at the time. Um, I remember those days where he would come home exhausted, mentally exhausted from running lead boat. Uh, so my respect for that role, for that position, you know, going into it, I knew that that was one of the most you know, more, more, the one position that would take the most time into, into helping and learning, making sure that they had not saying the second boat or third boats were, were any different, but that's going to be the heart of your fleet. You know, that's going to be the guy making sure to communicate with him to the point to where I knew what was going on, uh, what to expect, no surprises, uh, making sure they had everything, you know, they need it. Um, and also, you know, getting out and riding with them constantly. Yeah, for sure. And what was the job transition eventually? Was the next step the wheelhouse? Yeah. Yeah, that was, so I held that role for a couple of years. And in that time period, um, being on the boats, uh, again, going on all my days, or what will be my days off here and there at, at that point, um, an opportunity presented itself to become a steersman. Yeah, you know, I, I look at it as a, you know, more of a, it's a vertical move, but, you know, the, the possibilities were, you know, endless for me. I felt at that point I had done acquired a lot of different experience from where I had started as a deckhand with a, you know, a little McKinney bag with a, you know, huge flashlight, hard hat, that first year ups and downs, um, muscling through it, working through it. And then here I am now. So moving into the wheelhouse, I had reached out. One of the things, what I had done at Ormont was anytime a boat would go into the fleet, uh, I'd reach out to them when they left. How, how's things? How was the tow? Anything, you know, you want to pass on to me? Was there any problems or anything um, that, you know, just whatever. Um, there's, at that time, I also had uh, port mates or, or fleet mates is what we would call them. What, you know, his job would be to walk the toe, make sure everything is solid, make sure everything before it leaves. The idea in Ormont was for a southbounder to come in. Uh, again, we didn't have Belmont or Convent at that time. So we, we took all the southbounders in, land them, break out. Uh, they would face up to the northbounder and go. And of course, any delay that, you know, we'd have to work through it. Uh, but my, the fleet mate, he would walk the toe, make sure everything was solid, wired up properly three hours. That was, that was the goal from the moment they landed the fleet to the moment they leave. That was the, the turn. Um, calling these captains, talking with them, building relationships with them, finding out if there was any problems. You know, a lot of times, sometimes, uh, they just need to complain. They just need to vent. Um, more often than not, though, it was all praises for those guys at Armand. And I made sure that was communicated back to them, you know, um, Doing our job is not easy. It's a high turnover in a deck crew. Um, 
is not something most people grow up wanting to do. But making sure that they receive their praises, make sure they receive, hey, you know, the, this is why we do what we do in a sense. Um, but by doing so, built a relationship with a lot of captains. Uh, one of the captains, uh, again, person that means the world to me was captain on the motor vessel Steve Warden. Uh, it was a shuttle boat, still is, I believe, working in the Gulf. Uh, was uh, Captain uh, Mark Waltman. You know, this was a this is an old school captain. This is an individual that um, pulled no punches. He had the knowledge. Uh, he was very old school. Growing up, that was my image. You know, that that old school style. You know, captain. And I reached out to him when it came time for me to, uh, you know, to move on to my next step. And uh, I asked him if I could steer under him, you know, if it just be a part-time, be a full-time, whatever, just an opportunity. Uh, I knew what I was getting myself into because I knew he had the reputation of, you know, being, um, again, old school in his ways. He's, he's going he's gonna to do things the right way. He's going to do it, you know, the first time. You know, no play, no BS. He said, yeah. And uh, I trained under him. I, I, I steered under him for, uh, I want to say it was close to five or so trips. And they started pulling deck crew or steersmen um, to fleets, to different boats to get a variety of different experience. The opportunity came for me to go back to the fleet and um, work on headlining, work on downstream, work on light boat maneuvering. Um, and at that point, at that time, that was when ACBL started, got their first Z drive or had gotten their first Z drive the American way and, uh, got an opportunity from there and, and the rest is, yeah. I mean, it, it, at that point on, it, it goes, you know, on and on for sure. Um, yeah, steered Steve Warden in the fleet with, um, with a variety of different captains. Yeah, I've been on the American way a, a few times. Uh, yeah. I got on at Tiger. It was probably, I don't know, eight or nine in the morning. And uh, that was when Towworks was just rolling out. So oh, yeah. I um, I stuck around for Backwatch to come on. Yeah. Rode out with 10 from Tiger to CCI. Mm -hmm. That was about 5, 5.30. We didn't leave CCI till 2 a.m. So yeah. I got I got stuck out there for quite a while. But anyway, yeah. is that boat back operating? I know it. it yeah, had a yeah, little incident. yeah. Yeah, it's back. Yeah, it's in the canal. It's in the canal now. Okay. They, it's uh, converted to live on. Yeah. Well, where all have you run behind the sticks? Yeah, you know, it's great. Again, you know, I, I think about this every once in a while. Going where I started, right, to where I am now has been – it's, it's been a crazy journey, you know, and it's still, it's not over, you know, there's still God willing so much more started, you know, so it would be fleet work, Belmont convent, Armont tiger. Uh, this is being turned loose as, as a wheelman, uh, as a captain. So those fleets, a few years, let's see, a few years after I was turned loose in the fleets, opportunity popped up in the canals never worked in a canal never had been in the canal other than you know the, 
what was needed for going behind four down locks, but basically no experience back there. Again, growing up with my dad, hearing stories of Morgan City, uh, Intercoastal City, you know, uh, Lake Charles, Corpus Christi, hearing these things, Galveston Bay, never seeing them, you know, never experiencing, but I had it in my head, you know, one day, you know, maybe. Transferred to the canal. Um, I had already, you know, again, when you work in the fleet, you get great light boat maneuvering, great headlining, you know, experience. All the, the maneuvering that you normally don't use in a canal, I had already gone into it, you know, with those tools in my toolbox, so to speak. We, I ran um, what they call the loop, which put me everywhere. Uh, so we'll just start at, say, New Orleans. We'll go through um, industrial locks, cross the Mississippi Sound, turn up into Mobile, go all the way up the Mobile River. Go uh, uh, 10 Tom, you see Lower Black Warrior, then, um, then the 10 Tom, uh, Tom Bigby. Um, going through all those locks, taking a right at Tennessee River, going up to Decatur, then coming back, heading back toward uh, the Ohio River by the uh, way of Tennessee River. Ohio River to the uh, Lower Miss, which is 30 or so miles, you know, from Paducah to Cairo-ish. Um, and from there all the way to uh, back to Tiger, then we'd go into the Port Allen route, Port Allen route to inter uh, Intercoastal, all the way to Corpus. Never went past Corpus, never went to Brownsville. Orders always usually had us going to Corpus uh, a couple of times, a handful of times. Mostly it was going to be Lake Charles or Houston with a little Corpus, you know, Christy sprinkled in. Um, so yeah, all, all that entire area. I did that, that run for close to a little over three and a half years. I was on, uh, on the boat. Yeah. What was your favorite place to be on that run? The Tennessee river, Tennessee river, you know, weather is, yeah, you know, but the scenery man you know wheeler lock wilson lock through you know going through these big bodies of water these lakes you know the kentucky lake it was what i would what i would consider mountains i don't know i'm sure people up there would be like no they're just big hills but you know i consider them mountains and you know just gorgeous beautiful you know especially in the winter you get a little snow out there and it's it, it really is beautiful as long as you're inside you know yeah, the Tennessee River was really gorgeous. Yeah. Do you think your son will follow behind you? I don't know. You know, gr growing up, my dad never pushed this onto us, right? It was, uh, you know, my mom growing up, she, she didn't want any of her sons out on the river, you know, because of those horror stories, because of those worst case scenarios. Growing up, my dad, you know, I remember being with him at a, at a meeting once and one of the captains asked, you know, referred to me. And I think my dad said, uh, you know, something along the lines, of, you know, hope not, you know, kind of want something better, you know. But uh, I, I think I think it resonates. I look at my son, he's you know 12, going to be 13 soon. If he ever wants to go out, you know, into the industry, sure, you know, but I, I you know. You would hope, I would hope personally, uh, that he would take a different path. Uh, 
the industry has been good to my family for decades growing up um, for sure, but I'd have no issue with him going elsewhere, you know, growing up, be a doctor or dentist or something, you know, maybe, you know, taking care of me. That's the hope, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's switch gears a little bit. Uh, Not necessarily Sure. Directly about ACBL, but uh, do you see any opportunities maybe to improve or what would you change about training programs of the day? I think uh, knowing what I know, being where I've been, I, to look at new hires coming in, I think they, you know, we do a pretty solid job already, industry, speaking industry terms. I think we do a pretty solid job. Uh, as best as we can trying to identify candidates to come out here. But just like me, you're not going to really find find out until you get out here until what it's really like. This has come from somebody who glorified, who, who, you know, held the industry on a pedestal growing up, you know, wanting to be a captain, wanting to be a decan, wanting to be out there. When you get out there though, you realize that nothing's really handed to you. You're going to have to work for it. Uh, You're going to have to endure some, tough environments i think for the most part we do what we can it's when our people come out to the boats right i think at that point that's when the most impression is made you can have a you can have a two-week training class which what we which is what we did which i think was great because we spent a lot of that two weeks out on the toes right before they even went to the boats so when when a new hire went out to the boats they already had a better grasp than what they did previously. Now, I think a different take on it is you could take that same individual, hold a shorter class, then immediately, once you go through the, you know, the, the necessary paperwork, then put them immediately on the boat and then teach them from there, uh, which I think a lot is, a lot of the industry is doing. It's, it's cost effective. You know, you, you don't have to hold longer, you know, large classes. You can put individuals right on the boat where they can immediately start, you know, learning. There's some benefits to both. But where we go from here, I think, is just continuing to work on identifying individuals and, and giving them as much as a heads up, not saying, hey, you know, look, you're about to go in some terrible working conditions. You know, this, are you sure you want to do this? But at the same time, you know, be real with the individuals. You know, this is not, there's no such thing, in my opinion, of, of coming out here and three years later being in the wheelhouse. I think those days are, you know, long gone and, and you know, the, the industry has grown so much more now to where there's more people, there's more competition, you know, to, to even get in that wheelhouse. But again, when the, when a new hire comes out to you, setting expectations early on is, is my, my biggest thing, letting them know, you know, this is what I expect. This is what I'm going to hold to and, and hold and, and do just that. Well, with that in mind, how best do you think the industry could approach the apparent recruiting and retention issues that seem to be an industry standard these days? I think for as long as we work in, as long as we move boards, you know, as long as it's going to be, you're going to have turnover. That's the, that's the reality of it. There is no solution to that. I think anybody, I mean, obviously there's not saying that, you, you know, somebody, we shouldn't look for ways to improving, sure. But the reality is being a deckhand is not the easiest thing. 
you know, and that that's that's the truth. Making and breaking toe is not the easiest thing to do. It takes a special type of person to do it and do it successfully. You can just you can come to work, clock in, punch the clock every day, and you know do a mediocre job. But I think that the best thing for us to do is just continue the, the path that we're, we've done. You know, continue improving where we need to improve and insight from from new people. You know, for sure. But also remembering what got us there too. Well, have you seen turnover become worse over 18 years? No, I mean, I mean, you know, throughout the years, I mean, the few years of COVID, obviously, that, you know, excluding that, during my time in Armont, you know, we had built a pretty solid, consistent deck crew. Uh, wheelhouse personnel, I mean, that, that's going to be different altogether, I, I think. But I, I'd have to say it seems like it has improved. The pay has gotten better. Working, working conditions such as, you know, requirements, you know, there's no longer a lot of companies don't, don't allow one guy to deck by themselves, or at least given the option, you know, are you going to, do you want to deck by yourself? There's, it's a lot different now, you know, it's different than what it was in my dad's day and age, you know, it's different than what it was, you know, in my day and age, and, and it's going to be different 18 years from now. So I, I don't know where, where it goes from here, but I know it's, you know, it's, it's gotten, I think, a little bit more conducive to uh, to people staying. So I, to answer your question, I, I think it's probably better now than what it what it was before. But that's just you know going off of what I see. Um, that's not to say there isn't turnover, for sure. Anything else you'd like to share about the industry uh, to wrap this thing up? And you know, going back to my dad growing up you know learning early on to take care of your people you know be good to them and it's not a sales pitch it's something genuine that i, that I say is my debt crew you know i've been fortunate to have really solid individuals uh really great people man people from all walks of life you know ups and downs but man i think if you show your people that you're willing to go to bat for them, right? That you'll you'll speak up for them. Uh, that that's the important thing. George Tobias, you know his famous phrase that goes on and on. You know it's hard, but it's fair. You know, and it's true. It, it is hard. It's a hard job. You know, a set of rigging is always going to be heavy, right? It's always going to be 120 degrees, and it, you know the wind's never going to blow when you want it to. Be understanding, take care of your people, man, and uh, uphold a standard, you know, for sure. Yeah. I think that'll do it, man. I thank you for your time today. All right, Tim. I appreciate you, and, and congratulations on this. I think it's a great thing what you're doing, okay? Thank you, man. All right, thank you. This has been a production of Where You At Studios, LLC.